My name's Neil Sharp, Marketing and Proposition Director at Penn and your host for this podcast. In our customer experience work, we use a customer experience framework to provide a structure to all of our consulting solutions to clients. Whether we're helping organizations to figure out how well and how mature their approach is faring in the market, right through to how we train people in our academy, we use the same underlying framework, which we found works tremendously well, at creating a holistic view of customer experience design and management. The framework has six pillars to it, starting with defining the purpose and the customer strategy and finishing up on the return on investment that companies achieve through their customer experience efforts. During this second series of The Rise of the Customer, we want to try and bring to life the framework through real-world examples of how people use the tools and techniques that sit underneath the framework in their day-to-day work to design and manage customer experience and to achieve success through doing that. And in this particular episode, we're joined once again by Gary Gormley, who is going to run us through the design, the thinking, the ethos of Fab Outsource Solutions, which is a new business venture that he set up to really put his money where his mouth is and to work with clients to say, not only can I advise you on how to deliver a great customer experience, but I can actually physically deliver that for you if you'd like to outsource it to me. And I hope that through this episode, we're going to get some really useful insights and understanding about how an entrepreneur like Gary takes what can look like a theoretical approach to customer experience and actually delivers it in practice. Hi, Gary. Welcome. Thank you very much indeed for uh, for coming along again to the Rise of the Customer podcast. Now, we last spoke to Gary in episode 13 of series one, seems like ages ago now. And at the time, Gary was running Fab Solutions, which the business at the time was particularly concerned with providing consultancy services predominantly to clients around customer experience, but particularly focusing on sales, I think it's fair to say. And we spoke a lot about the sales process, how to create a great customer experience in sales. And Gary shared his pod poser framework. And you'll have to listen to episode 13 if you want to understand what that acronym is about. But a great way of, of stepping through and talking about how to manage the sales process effectively whilst delivering a great customer experience. So learn a lot from that episode. And we also talked a bit about more generally customer experience management in contact centers. Now, Gary, I know that was what you were doing before. I've looked at LinkedIn and you're now CEO of the Fab Group. So what a job title. Sounds like Fab's gone global and um, you've come a long way there. So do you want to just give us a couple of minutes on what you've been up to? Yeah, so it has been a busy 2022. So Fab Solutions as a business has evolved. And we, on my Fab third birthday, um, seems ridiculous to keep calling it a Fab, Day, but that's what the that's what the acronym is. So on the Fab third birthday, Fab Solutions third birthday, we formed the Fab Group, and as part of the Fab Group, that involves all the the solutions business, and it now includes a an outsourced proposition. So Fab Outsource Solutions has been born, and what better way to describe that is as a collective group, and it is a group. And as the business evolves, and as the the roadmap comes closer you'll see more of the uh, the fab proposition expanding into other territories as well. So watch this space. But the fab outsource proposition really has been born through some of the, the demands of clients. So I've been busy over the last three years 
creating consultancy solutions, improving processes, looking at training, development, leadership, capability. And one of the things that is emerging very much so in, in certainly in the last 12 months is organizations need to outsource. And one of Fab's objectives has been how can we help improve your processes and how can we reduce your costs? And there's an easy way of doing that sometimes and it's to outsource. So rather than outsource to other people, you can now outsource to the Fab Group as Fab Outsource Solutions. And the reason why that's so integral is because as the consultancy business, we help you flesh out the challenges, the issues, the concerns, the problems that your business has, whether it be process improvement, customer experience, managing demand, managing shrinkage. And then what we can now do is we can say, right, if that is a problem, let's take it on for you. And we can remove some of the headaches that managing an operation brings. And it doesn't necessarily mean full-scale outsourcing all of your business, but let's outsource the bits that you can't get to, or the bits that you don't want to deal with, or the bits that you're not skilled with. So it made perfect sense to build the um, the outsource business and turn it into the Fab Group. So I'm not one for titles, but CEO of the Fab Group sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was blown away when I saw it, I have to say. Uh, I thought the world had shifted on its axis uh, all of a sudden in terms of a, a job title like that. But no, joking aside, I mean, that, that feels like um, a bold move. Congratulations on getting it up and running and um, you know, talk about putting your money where your mouth is in terms of saying, well, look, I can, I can show you how to do this and actually I can do it for you. I'm, I'm that confident. So uh, that, that's great. So I think what we're going to do today, uh, what I'd like to do is, is step through our customer experience framework through the eyes of Fab Solutions. So what I'm going to be doing during this series is talking to business owners and people that are particularly concerned with delivering great customer experience and exploring it through the lens of the six facets of the framework that we use. And I'm I'm going to do that quite loosely, but effectively, I'm not going to talk about it in detail here. People can look at the show notes, but effectively, our framework sort of starts with purpose and strategy, moves through design into operations, into culture, measurement, and then finally looks at the return on investment from customer experience management. So the idea, I think, is just to try and step through each of those things and just ask you really, just um, a, a few points really to give how are you giving consideration to the design of the business through the eyes of a customer experience perspective and framework? So that's what we want to do. So thank you for agreeing to come on and do that. So let, let's start off with purpose and strategy, which is the first facet of our framework. And I suppose the, the key question for me is, I mean, and you've kind of explained it a little bit, but let's just dig in a little bit more. So Fab Outsource Solutions, you talked about it exists to kind of remove a headache. I mean, what is the core purpose? And if you may, you know, what, what is the kind of the, the outline customer strategy for the business? Well, I think it, it, you have to take this back to what are the problems that Fab as an outsource business is designed to solve for its customers. And the solutions business is very closely linked to this. Um, but overall, most contact centers that I speak to and most general businesses that I speak to are looking to reduce costs. Um, when you look at how the how the business and how businesses have reacted over the last 12 months, it's safe to say they've employed people that they might not have wanted or needed in their business at that time. And that's kind of driven probably an increase in attrition. And as the world has, has opened up and hospitality has opened up again, and people that came from hospitality that moved into contact centers have now gone back to hospitality, that attrition is rising. So the actual cost of recruitment then becomes a challenge at the same time. And that's a, 
a perfect storm to have when you're trying to manage demand in the contact center, when your complexity is increased because of the, the digitization that you've done as part of the cloud-based move during COVID. So reduction in costs, increased demand and trying to reduce that demand. And then we're trying to balance that customer experience and trying to improve customer satisfaction and improve that ability for customers to recommend, which is dropping at a rate of knots. If you look at the last customer satisfaction survey, that's dropping. And then add to that, you've got the perfect storm in the most employees cite that they're not getting the development, they're not getting the support, they're not getting the training that they need, which drives that whole cycle of attrition and drives that whole challenge when it comes to managing customer experience. So the purpose for us as an outsource business is to provide our clients' customers a seamless brand experience that either rivals or surpasses that of their internal experience. And we are more passionate or we should be more passionate about delivering a great customer experience for your customers than your internal customers. And that's the the, the framework that we've, we've applied. And myself and business partner and director of operations, Al Hughes, are really passionate about delivering on that promise that we will deliver an improved version of what your existing team do now. Because that's okay. what our lifeblood is. That's what keeps us alive and that's what keeps the lights on for us is to say we've got to do that otherwise there's no point in outsourcing okay that's crystal clear thank you very clear and so let me just ask one further question on that so it it seems to me that what you're saying there is a little bit of a nuance but it's as much of a cx strategy as it is an ex strategy insofar as it's about employee experience as well yeah well i mean people who've looked at my posts on on LinkedIn will be bored of me saying this, but I talk about what you call the CX equation, which is operational excellence plus employee experience gives great customer experience. So if you get a robust operation, which runs smoothly and and isn't driving complaints and it's not driving high abandonment rates and it's not driving a poor level of service, that in itself eases the pressure on your people. But then if you don't have the right infrastructure in terms of management capability, knowledge, access to training, that falls by the wayside and it impacts the employee experience. And if you don't get those two bits right, in my view, you might disagree, but you're never going to get a great customer experience. So you have to blend those two things together. So I think the CX strategy or the the OX strategy plus the EX equals great CX strategies. Yep. No, well, you know, Damn well that I agree with you. So <laughs> we say the same stuff. We say the same stuff. But uh, no, absolutely, 100%. So crystal clear. Thank you. Okay, so the next element of the framework is about design. So tell me a bit about how you go about designing the experience. I mean, do you look at specific personas for each client and then bespoke a set of journeys for those clients? Or do you have kind of standard stuff that you then kind of adjust and, and, and sort of make? make Absolutely. Things? We're not one of those outsourcers where you chuck us a load of data and we're just going to ring it for you. That's one of the distinctions that we make is that we are a values and culture driven outsource provider. So it's really important to us that we partner with the right people. So we, we need to understand where you are in your customer experience journey, I suppose, in order to for us to then mirror that and to deliver on that promise that we talked about earlier is that we provide uh, a seamless brand experience that's going to surpass your internal experience. So the benefit of having the solutions business attached to the outsource business is 
what I do for the solutions business pretty much informs the problems and the challenges that we're trying to fix for your outsourcing. So it's looking at that customer journey and saying, right, before we start to outsource, what are the problems that you're experiencing in your business that we can help you improve and support? And it might be somebody comes to us and say, right, we want you to do a load of lead generation. And that's absolutely fine. We could do lead generation for you. But actually, if we then start to look at your marketing journey and your digital journey and say, right, where are people falling out in your web chat journey? Have you got enough web chatters? Are you responding to people quick enough via your web chat? What's the process for moving your web contactors form to agents in the contact center? How quickly are they doing that? Would you like to do it quicker? Can we help you by doing it quicker? And just walking through each of the different steps of that customer journey, we can then say, right, you want us to help you with this, but realistically, there are problems across your funnel and your customer journey all the way through here, here, and here. So actually, why don't we start here, and then we can provide you with insight, we can provide you with continuous improvement suggestions, and the solutions business can either help you do that, or we can give you the insights and the data that helps you inform how you then make those improvements internally. And that's, I suppose, one of the unique selling points of having the fab group is that you're not just getting an outsource business. You're getting life through a lens of a, a consultant, essentially, which can help you drive that. Because ultimately, what we want to be doing in order to surpass your expectations is improving on all those things. So actually, if you're getting loads of complaints through, we want to be feeding that back. We want to be telling you what the type of complaints are, what the types of conversations, and the tools that we use within that, in terms of the tech suite, we've got access to QA automation, we've got access to speech analytics tools, and that in itself provides a, an exponential amount of data that you can then go and do some data analytics with. What typically happens in a contact center, you don't have anybody to do that. So we can provide you with that insight and make suggestions and improvements throughout that customer journey so that we're improving not only lead generation or your customer service experience, we're improving the process that you're working to internally, which makes our life as outsourcers easier, but also should transcend back into your business as continuous improvement. Sure, sure. So just I would come back to operations in a minute because I definitely want to dig into that tech piece again. But so just sort of finishing off on design then. I'm not quite sure how the best way to answer this question, but so, so is it, do you kind of co-own the journeys that you've designed with your clients? So it sounds to me what you're saying is using typical customer experience techniques, you're, you're mapping this stuff through, you're looking where the pain points are for the client, you're looking at where the internal problems are and trying to create something that fixes a lot of those things, if not all of them. And then is it your journey? Is it the clients? Is it both? Because it's kind of difficult when you're an outsourcer, isn't it? Because you're running it and you're kind of owning it. You know? it it's part for me, we should be one and the same. So I, I don't necessarily say you're the client, we're the outsourcer. In essence, we become a partnership that supports the end-to-end -end journey and supports that customer experience. So if we're improving one end of the, the journey, we should be telling you and helping support you to improve your end of that same journey so that we're delivering a seamless customer experience, regardless of whether it's being dealt with by us as the outsourcer or you as the internal internal client. So our mantra is partnering, partnering and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And if we can help just as a byproduct of some of the stuff that we're doing, feed you data to inform things that you might want to consider improving in your customer journey, that's a win for me. And that's yep. where we demonstrate that added value 
and why you stick with us and why we retain clients over a more transactional relationship where we say, Chuck has your data, we'll dial it and we'll send you some hotkeys. We can do that, but we like to offer more value than what that represents. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. And often, certainly in our experience, a lot of the problems that you hear and see in the contact center are caused by stuff that are way, way outside of the contact center and deeper in your operations. So um, I can see how that works. Okay, let, let's step into operations then, the third segment of our framework. So, And you, you started talking about some of the tech there, but I'm, I'm really interested. I mean, how have you set this thing up and um, how do you decide what technology to deploy in, a, in an operation like this when it's kind of a green field? Because there are so many options out there. You know, you've only got to read the latest Gartner Magic Quadrant on just about every type of technology that could possibly exist and your mind goes into a tailspin. I mean, how have you kind of uh, sifted through that to set up a powerful operation that works both for your customers but also for your people that work in the um, the center itself yeah again the beauty of this is i've been around the block for a while so i know what works what doesn't work what things to avoid and what things can really help improve that operational experience so a lot of it will depend on whether it's a customer service campaign that we're picking up whether it's a, an outbound campaign or whether it's a web chat campaign because how the the existing clients internal infrastructure is designed dictates whether we use their CRM, whether we use their systems, whether we use our systems and our own internal infrastructure. So it's a bit of a balancing act is to say, right, the first part is, again, looking at that process to say, right, let's look at your internal target operating model and let's look at how you're currently structured. Is there an area where we can complement with certain pieces of technology that we could potentially integrate to? Or do you want us to use your technology, in which case it's extending licenses, it's mapping out kind of how those processes work. And part of that is quite cathartic in itself because we then say, right, tell us how this process works. Tell us how that process works. So there's almost a little bit of operational improvement as you go throughout that process to say, right, how does it work? How do we do this? How do we get that? How do we transfer this? How do we transfer out? So it becomes a bit of a... Um, a target operating model discussion with clients to understand what their landscape is and then understand what gaps we need to to plug or how we API into particular systems. So there's a, there's a whole tech stack that we look at and I've got a number of different strategic partners that I've amassed over the years that can help plug specific gaps and whether it's a, an outbound dialer campaign or whether it's a customer service campaign, you might want a different dialer capability versus an inbound capability in terms of the, the the system. So you might decide to use different systems for different clients. And the whole piece of that is a collaborative discussion is to say, right, what have you got? What do we need to plug? And what can we do to enhance the analytics or the MI or the reporting suite that you don't necessarily... Because people come to us with those problems. I don't get enough MI or I don't have a workforce management system. I don't have a capacity plan that tells me how many staff I need. So... Sometimes it's going back to the bare brass tacks of helping them design their operation to then say, how much resource do you need to outsource or can you actually improve it internally efficiently? Because it might well be you've got all the staff you need. You don't need to outsource it. You just need to run it a little bit differently. So there's a whole collaborative design discussion based on the, the operating model that they've got and then how we can support and finesse that as needed really interesting and i mean it, it strikes me from that you know i know that you've got phenomenal knowledge of of these kinds of technologies because you've helped us in the past with with various things when we need that kind of specialist input and um it seems to me here i mean if you were a, a contact center wanting to almost try before you buy certain technologies 
and avoid going through procurement of three or four quite substantial potential contracts. This is another good way of trying perhaps some of the new best of breed stuff that's out there. I mean, I'm sure you want people to stay with you for a long period, but at the same time, it's another proposition potentially. And it's it's once they try, they're going to buy. That's the thing. Once you've had exposure to some of these pieces of technology, if you've not already got them, it becomes a no-brainer because you get the insights, you get the uh, the benefit of the um, of the data. And I think the the point you make about procurement there is a really really big one, Neil. Because one of the things that talk about with outsourcing is how can we help you reduce your costs? Now, if you think it's part of the recruitment pro- or part of the procurement process, you're looking at three different texts for workforce management, telephony, speech, QA. If it's multiple systems. That's multiple contracts. It's multiple legal negotiations. It's multiple requirement sessions from multiple people across the business. And that is a heavy, heavy cost to park out on your team and on your bottom line. So actually, if you can go through that process without doing all the procurement, it saves you bundles of time and bundles of cost. Yep, absolutely. And just a final point on that, and this this strays into the next bit about people and culture as well. I guess from an operations perspective, because you're setting it up now, and I know you understood hybrid working before COVID, but in the current environment, I guess you can outsource in in a, a fully situation, a full physical thing. You could do it fully outsourced, uh, sorry, fully virtual. You can do a hybrid between the two. Is that right? I mean, again, everyone's asking this question. What's the best way to do this stuff nowadays? Yeah, we, we run um, a, a three-pronged approach, if you like, which is bricks and mortar. So for those that require it, uh, we've got facilities where people can come and house there. Might be a a more sensitive commercial campaign that they want in a a bricks and mortar space. Or if there's that appetite and some some polls that Al Hughes has done recently suggest that the the appetite is two days in the office, three days working from home. So that hybrid piece is a is a real key part of the um of the structure that we have but conversely we know that there is a an opportunity for people to work from home and we know that the talent pool working from home much bigger nationally is is much bigger so you've got a much greater array of talent that you can draw down on so our preferred model is probably more the hybrid model but again we're open to how we work with clients to get the best out of each of the different ways that they can they can run and structure their campaign. So it's that three-pronged approach. But the challenge most people have at the moment and the conversation that I hear very often is that they don't get the same levels of productivity from their remote workers as they do from either hybrid or bricks and mortar. My pushback to that is look at your leadership capability and the conversations that you're having at that level and some of the data that you're looking at to say, are you structuring your conversations with your people in the right way to maximize potential and maximize the opportunities whilst they're working from home? And have you changed some of your processes and some of your ways of working to reflect that it's now a 100% remote environment rather than thinking this will be a temporary measure, Mm. it's actually now a permanent solution. So you really have to unpick your operating model if you're you're going down that road to make it work. Yeah, that sounds like a context for another whole conversation to be honest with you but um, certainly we get a lot involved in that as well so let's move on and I guess we, we kind of touched on it there around sort of management training and I guess element of motivation but the fourth prong of our thing is about people and culture and and I guess I'm 
again, without going into massive amounts of detail, I mean, what's the kind of philosophy that you adopt around the whole recruitment, develop, train, motivate, keep people? What What's the kind of fab solutions view of that and, and how you do that in, in a best of breed way? Yeah, and I would say this is probably one of the areas where we try to over-index our capability and our passion for that because outsourcing has historically had a bit of um, a negative perception in the seen as a bit of a sweatshop they don't pay the the right wages they have high levels of attrition and they just turn around staff uh, like they do their underwear um, we want to be very different in that respect in that we want people to come into the market at an above market rate pay and we want to treat them in a way that makes them want to stay. And we want to create those career pathways that we know exist in contact centres that don't get enough airtime so that people see contact centres as a career rather than an entry-level role. So our whole mantra is around treating people fairly, treating people as equals rather than I'm senior. So we try and do away with all this hierarchy and we want everybody from the CEO to the cleaner to be spending time understanding the business so that they have a passion and skin in the game for how the business performs. And I think that cultural piece is really important. So it's making sure that we treat people brilliantly, we pay them fairly for the work that they're doing, and then we treat them really, really well. And we have what we call our tribe values which we'll be rolling out very, very soon. So I'm not going to spoil that. But if anybody wants to know what those values are, please feel free to come in and grab a session. But that is all about how people want to be treated, how we treat them in the business and how we support and develop capability. And from day one, it's all about people. Absolutely all about people. It's how you onboard them, how you treat them in that induction process, how you take them through a grad bay and how you support them through that speed to competency, how you overlay development on team leaders and support that team leader uh, population so that they're having great conversations. Because if your team leaders are having great conversations with your teams, your teams are going to be having great conversations with your people and your customers. And it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So culture and treatment of people is high up there. And Within that, I mean, when you bring on a new client so that you're out, you know, someone's outsourcing, this is always a challenge in, in the outsource world. How do you then immerse them in the right level of brand affinity to the people that they're actually representing? So everything you've talked about there, obviously, is their affinity to you as an organization because they understand what you're trying to achieve. But then how do you kind of shape them in the, in the, the, the ultimate brand that they're actually representing from a, a customer frontline perspective? Yeah, and I said right at the start, actually, it's about surpassing the client's expectations and building an extension of their brand within our business. Mm-hmm. And if you speak to me or you speak to Al, we'll always say these things is that you should be able to cut us in two and you can't tell the difference between whether it's our brand or your brand. And the, the way that we do that is we work really closely with the the partner, the client that we're, we're bringing on board to understand what their values are what their missions are, what their visions are, what their objectives are as a business. And we try and help that and help build that as part of the induction program for our onboarding so that we're doing an element of this is the fab group, this is fab outsourced, this is who you're working for, but this is the campaign that you represent. These are the objectives of that client. These are the the words and the phrases and the language that they use. So if we're doing scripting, 
all of that tone is picked up as part of that onboarding process with the client to say, right, we need to be talking how you talk so that your customers feel like they're talking to somebody from your organization. So it's a whole cultural immersion process to say it might be we have banners of your, your your logo, your environment. We might have your brand on our wall and joint branded. So it just immerses them in both brands so that they feel connected to the organization. And I, I, I would hasten to say, bring people from the floor onto our floor so they can see the difference mm-hmm. and invite them, them in to have those conversations. And conversely, we'll come into your offices and understand your environment your brands, your ethos, um, so that we're aligned in, in how we're working. Sure, sure. I remember working with an outsourcer who used to work for a very famous food and clothing brand. And they used to, whenever the new range came out for spring, summer, autumn, whatever, they used to literally send two HGVs of trucks along to the outsourcer with the clothes and full of some of the new food. And, you know, literally when they'd be on the phone to customers, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I can see somebody wearing that blouse at the moment or that shirt. You know, yeah, it's great. It does actually fit really well. And that's, you know, those sorts of really kind of intimate conversations around experiencing the product as well. So uh, I, I get how that works. So, Fifth point on our framework is all about measurement and governance. And again, you've kind of alluded to some of the data that you collect here. I suppose I'm interested in two things, really. First of all, what do you measure? I mean, presumably you measure the experience, both directly and indirectly through the data you collect. And then I guess the second point, if you can loop it in there, is how do you then create a feedback loop to your clients so that there is this continuous improvement framework that's actually driven by the customer, if you like, as opposed to just something that's kind of spurious? Yeah. And you know what data, I, I always say this, data is king, especially especially in outsourcing. And the, the key for me is, it again, it depends on the, the type of campaign and the type of performance and result that you want to see. But the key thing that everybody talks about with outsourcing is they want to see ROI back on what they've, what they've given you. So they want to see their spend. That's probably the, the first point of call whenever we're having some of those discussions. Whilst we'd like to think it's we want NPS to improve. We want CSAT to improve. Mm-hmm. The, the bottom line is usually around brass tacks, is that we're outsourcing because we want to reduce costs. So we want to understand how that ROI is tracked back. And the way that we do that is we, we look at it from the types of campaigns that we're looking at. So if it's an inbound campaign, we'll measure that based on, again, your internal metrics. So understanding what your current operating model is and what your performance is against that and trying to turn those into tangible performance metrics back. So if it's an abandonment rate, what's the cost of abandonment rate in your business, whether it's an additional call that comes back in and becomes repeat demand, or whether it's um, an impact on loyalty and retention. It's we try and say, what are the problems that we're trying to solve for? Because those are the metrics that we want to play back to you to say, right, we're improving your performance in all of these areas. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding some of those operational levers and some of those operational KPIs that is driving you to want to outsource. But then it's saying, right, where else can we add value? So it might be around customer service and phrases and keywords that might drive vulnerability or it might drive complaints. And actually looking at that and saying, right, we're experiencing X amount of customers saying these words that are triggering a complaint. And we're seeing that in the outsource book. And the reasons why that's happening is because of X, Y, Z. So what that helps us do is it helps us improve that first call resolution or first contact resolution piece that we can then again say to you, if you apply that to your internal team, it should have the same effect. 
And then that's feeding that back in a governance structure that says, right, actually, on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, these are our observations, these are our findings. It should never be a surprise to us, the information that you're presenting us. So if you're asking us a question, we should already have the answer for it. Or more importantly, we should be telling that before you ask the question. And I think that's the sign of a good outsource relationship is to say, these are all the insights that we found. These are all the reports that we've 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 done, whether it's data or AHT reduction or grade of service improvements or abandonment rate improvements. Those are the types of things that will play back naturally. And those are the things that are kind of core bread and butter stuff. But the extra piece for me is around how we help in reduce demand, how we helping to reduce first contact resolution, and how we helping to improve customer experience so that it drives a positive MPS result or it drives a positive customer effort score and an overall customer experience. So those are some of the, the key bits that we tend to look at, whether it's um, an inbound campaign or an outbound campaign. Outbounds tend to be a little bit different in terms of their, their, their structure, in terms of we're trying to improve maybe contact per hour, sales per hour, customer dormancy. This is something that we're seeing quite a lot at the moment is where clients are bringing business to us to say, right, we've got a whole book of business that we're not contacting. We want you to re-energize and re-engage our customer base so that they're getting increased spend. So that then that average spend per client becomes a, a metric that we want to do. Yeah. But there's loads of loads of different ways that we can spin the campaign to help address some of the problems that you're experiencing. So um lots of different things you can measure, as you full well know in contact centers. <laughs> but it's I always uh, I think it's Peter Drucker quote is measure what matters. And that's the bit that I always sit by, whether it's a consultancy client or an outsource client, say, what are the things that matter to you as a business that you want us to measure? And actually, here are a couple of others more that we think you could be measuring as an additional insight tool. I think what you've answered there really clearly as well is, you know, the, the perennial conversation that a number of organisations have, both with us and, and just in the market generally, which is, you know, should you really be worrying about measuring average handle times and worrying about measuring, you know, do I pick up the phone in 20 seconds in three rings or, or whatever else it might be? And the answer is, well, it might be important, but you're trying to link it back at all times to what are the implications of that in terms of your core KPIs for the business? It's, it sounds like you're trying to hook it all back into that. And, and that's exactly because, again, the, the purpose for us is to, in essence, help you reduce costs and improve customer experience. Mm -hmm. So if we can evidence that back to you in different ways through measuring different metrics, then that means you're going to stay with us. So it means you become a client for longer. So that's really important. The, the outsourcer demonstrating value over and above what value you'd expect mm -hmm. is really important because that, for me, creates that long-term loyalty and long-term partnership. Sure. And you've answered the sixth point there, which is we always talk at the end about return on investment through the actual delivered experience. And you've, you've gone through all that already. So <laughs> linked directly to measurement. And the, uh, the, the, the thing is in order. So um, that, that is, uh, is great that we seamlessly strayed into that. So I won't ask you a whole load of questions on that. I guess my final question then, really, I mean, thank you, first of all, for, for whistling through that fairly brisk tour of your design of your business through the eyes of our uh, framework. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's an unfair question, maybe, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it almost like if, if there's a single point of differentiation for you in terms of what you're trying to deliver to your customers that perhaps they wouldn't be able to find anywhere else? Is there one thing that you can pull out of that that you think matters most? You know what? I was going to say this too, but you've asked for one. You've asked for one. <laughs> so I'm going to lean with, 
And this is this is important because of the perception of customers in the public when they speak to contact centers and that whole huffing and puffing when they um, when they have to pick up the phone and speak to a, a contact center in general. But I think it's also important because of the perception historically that outsourcing has had. So we are a values and culture driven business. That for me is the key differentiator for an outsourced business. And we lead with cultures, we lead with values, and people are the biggest asset in any business. So if you treat them right and you treat them well, and I like to think we've designed a program and a framework that absolutely supports that and is integral to our success, that for me is probably the the single most important differentiator. Coupled with, and I, I did say I wasn't going to say in a second, but coupled with the Fab Solutions consultancy that I think is unique in the outsourcing space, provides a, a really seamless experience. Fantastic. Very clear. Gary, thank you so much. That, that was really good. Thank you for, for sparing the time to, to go through it. And, thank um, you for inviting me back. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. We really enjoyed the chat. You know, I always enjoy talking to you anyway, but um, I, I really do wish you all the success with what you're trying to achieve because, um, you know, these kinds of organisations quite hard to find sometimes in terms of really providing that really kind of niche bespoke element of it. And I think the last point you made there about aligning on culture and values, I would agree, is, is absolutely critical because if that could be the differentiation that actually plays out in practice and you can actually scale that, then I think you've got something that's truly different in the market. So congratulations for, for going for it. And um, I look forward to watching the uh, the success unfold. Meteoric rise of the Fab Group. <laughs> and who knows what your job title will be next time I speak to you. So. Janitor. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, cheers, Gary. Brilliant. Lovely to catch up, Neil. Cheers, bye. Thanks very much for listening today. If you found that useful, please give us a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And if you'd like to know more, you can find us at penpartnership.com or you can follow Pen Partnership on LinkedIn. Until next time, goodbye.